This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. This? Does this work? You, can you tell if the audio's working? Give me, yeah, give me, give me the, give me the cues. My walk with Jesus has been one of uh, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of questions and a lot of confusion at times and happiness at other times. Um, But all in all, I would say that Jesus to me has been uh, a light. And uh, light's a metaphor I like to to think of that my walk with God through. Um, The the world itself uh, in general in my life, you know, specifically is is full of stuff that's not fair and, and uh, consequences toward decisions. And, and I mean, the whole world's full of that kind of stuff. The whole world is full of uh, earthquakes and children that die and people who get cancer and divorces and um, bad things. Uh, and so Jesus being a light to me has been something that's helped illuminate the world and change my worldview in uh, in a positive way. Uh, I can think of it like when you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and the room is dark and you're feeling around and you're, you're nervous because you might step on a skate or hit the wall or something weird like that. And um, once you turn the light on, it illuminates the room and your anxiety's gone, your tension's gone, and you can see where things are and there's a breath of, of relief. And for me, that's what Jesus has done in my life. Um, the circumstances are still the same there's still stuff that, that goes wrong. There's still consequences that I have for mistakes that I've made. Um, but, but the light that Jesus creates, uh, the light that I get to see the world through Him, is something that relieves the anxiety in me. Um, I have this peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's something you can't explain, something I can't explain. I'm Adam Parker, and I am following Jesus. So what's the most gigantic, ridiculous, light extravaganza you've ever seen? I'm thinking it would be so cool to be at the mall on the 4th of July in Washington, D.C. Or it would be so cool to be at an opening Olympic ceremony sometime. So what's the most ridiculous, crazy, light extravaganza you've ever seen? The Jewish people in the days of Jesus could really throw a light show party. It happened every year, the first night at the Feast of Tabernacles. Because what they wanted to convey in their light show was that God was light. That God was their light and their salvation. And they would remember those days when their forefathers and foremothers were in the wilderness. And God was the pillar of fire for them. So that God literally appeared for them, to them, as a pillar of fire that guided them and directed them in their darkness, in their wilderness. And Jesus, when he comes to the court, the big temple court, He is declaring about himself that he's the light of the world. And so at the giant festival they had every year, they would have these four huge candelabra perched upward in the sky. 
and there would be four candle lighters that would climb these tall ladders. And they say that when the light of the torches of the candelabra were lit, the brilliance of the light was so great that there wasn't a home or a courtyard in all of Jerusalem that couldn't see it. They had dancers with light torches. They had cymbals and loud clashing cymbals and musicians parading and dancing in the light of God. So it's in the midst of this big light extravaganza that Jesus has the audacity to say, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will never walk in darkness. So today, in our scripture together, we're going to look at um, this conversation that Jesus is having with the religious authorities. And we're, we're looking at really a very tough conversation where Jesus makes five incredibly bold statements about himself. And before we look at each of those statements today, I want to invite you to just follow along with me as I read from the gospel, the eighth chapter, this conversation and these claims that Jesus is making about himself. Let's look at these words together. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, now the Pharisees are the religious authorities of the day, you are testifying on your own behalf, your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but the Father and I who sent me. Reading on, Jesus says, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. They said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, the Son of Man was one of Jesus' primary terms about himself. Uh, it's a term rich in Scripture about the Son of Man is the Messiah, the Christ. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, speaking of the cross, then you will realize that I am He and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Five 
bold statements of Jesus. The first statement is, I am the light of the world. In the midst of this light extravaganza place, I'm the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but always have with them the light of life. What's Jesus saying? He's painting a clear picture between darkness and light. He's saying we live in a dark world. Don't you sense this, that, that there's a, a darkness in our world? There's a spiritual darkness. There's a heaviness. There's a complexity. There's a confusion at work. Jesus is clearly acknowledging that. But he's saying, I am greater than any darkness in your life. Second bold statement of Jesus. He says these words. You judge by human standards. <clears throat> I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for I do not judge alone, but I and the Father who sent me. What's Jesus saying? Well, you know, you human beings, here's how you typically judge. You label people. You pass condemnation on people. You throw away the key. <clears throat> he says, I didn't come to judge. That's not my spirit at all. I didn't come to condemn. In fact, elsewhere, Jesus says that I came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And yet he does also say that in his judging, doesn't he, that, that he and the Father will, dis, will judge, will discern. What's, what's Jesus getting at here? Well, in a particular courtroom, this particular judge was rendering some harsh sentences. In fact, every case, she was rendering the maximum sentence to anyone that was found guilty. And as this one particular gentleman, man, was convicted of his crime, and she rendered the harshest judgment possible, there was a gasp in the courtroom, and he was visibly shaken, so his attorney reached over and embraced his client. And immediately the gavel fell, and the judge said, there will be no hugging in my courtroom. Jesus is saying something here to us. I and the Father don't judge like that. In the judgment that Jesus brings about us, he stands with the guilty. And the judgment that God renders us has compassion and mercy and care for the guilty party. Now, I find this incredibly good news for me. Don't you find it good news for you? For all of us have sinned, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus is saying, I'm the one who's, who's judging you, but I'm coming here. I'm standing here as your advocate. I'm an advocate for you, with you. And my compassion and my care is with you, even in the midst of my judgment. What a contrast. Third bold statement of Jesus. Jesus says, you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. Now this is, appears like very harsh words. You will die in your sins unless you believe in me. And yet, it's kindness to speak truth into someone's life. This isn't the first time Jesus has said that to them. 
The reality is that without Christ in our life, in our world, we're dying here. And Jesus isn't talking specifically or only about physical death. He's saying, without me, without claiming me into your life, you're, you're dying spiritually. And he's holding out that hope that we can be empowered, that we don't have to die in our sins, that we don't have to remain in this darkness. He's calling us to faith in him. I was reflecting on these words this week, and I was thinking about how darkness works, and I was thinking about the consequences and, and the progression of darkness. And so think about this for a moment. When there's spiritual darkness, when we have this malaise in our mind, when we have confusion, when we don't have a sense of what's up or down, it, it leads to confusion and disorientation, and there's a disconnection that we have with God. We have a disconnection with our true self, the person that God created us to be, and we have a disconnection with others. And when the darkness progresses in our lives, we do things that bring shame on us and, and the relationships with other people. And ultimately, darkness, when it's played out fully, it leads to violence, violent acts. There's a real darkness in our world. This darkness plays out in our relationships. What is the darkness that, that has the capacity to engulf you? Or maybe even right now, you're feeling a real sense of being in spiritual darkness. I want to talk for a moment about a couple of things that I think is real spiritual darkness going on in our culture today. The first thing is in the area of racial relations. You know, when the state auditor of Missouri takes his own life because of whisperings in his own political party that he's Jewish, there's a real anti-Semitism that's at work. We can look at ISIS and we can see blatant racism and anti-Semitism. But can we see it in our own culture, in our own country? When a video goes viral, and in the first service I said it was at OSU, it was at OU this past week. Doesn't matter where a fraternity blatant racial slur. We know that racism exists. We recognize that in the whole problem of Ferguson that we've struggled in knowing how to solve the problem. How to identify the reality of true racism at work in some cases among police officers and yet the reality that some people will hide behind the race card in justifying their own acts of violence. I struggle in even knowing how to have a conversation about the reality of racial relations in our country. And yet we know this, that unless we deal with the darkness, it ultimately leads to violence. 
Now I want to share with you another matter, which I think is an even greater and broader darkness in our culture, and that's in the area of sexual relations. In the book, Fifty Shades of Grey, we hear this story played out uh, of erotic acts in a way that's hard for us to fathom. And yet 45 million, 45 million copies of Shades of Grey have been sold in this country. When I want to be of help to someone in the area of sexual perversion, I like to go to a website, triplexchurch.com. And when I went through this week, I came across a blog written by a woman who had fallen into the 50 shades of deception, she calls it, through this book. I want to read just briefly some excerpts of her words. She says, I'll never forget the day I met Christian Gray. It was a time in my life when I was struggling with a lot of hurt in my past, and I was angry at God. The Bible I once read every day was gathering dust and being replaced with secular novels. In my search for fulfillment, I found a new book to read, Fifty Shades of Grey. When I read it, I instantly connected with the characters. Anna was looking for love, while Christian was an angry man looking for a release. One night, I decided to look up bondage porn. I walked right into the devil's trap as I stayed awake watching hours of a type of sex that was so new and so strange to me. The sex and the pain, the feeling, was something I thought would help the emotional pain I was feeling inside. The next day, I took it a step farther. I signed up for Bondage Domination website. Now, notice the quick progression that occurs often in this addiction. Fascinated by this new world of perversion I'd found with tons of people who wanted to give me the ultimate Christian Grey experience. I decided one weekend I would meet with my first dominant, myself playing the role of submissive. Looking back, I knew that God was protecting me because I didn't know this man at all. But I allowed him to tie me up, beat me, and use me in any way he so desired. But with a safe word. The feeling I had being tied up and helpless was in a strange way empowering. I felt important and needed. As I left my first session of slave training, I had bruises and welts all over my body. I wasn't sure at first if I should continue, but I liked how the physical pain replaced the emotional pain I had inside. It was a huge turning point for me. I connected with photographers and porn producers and even joined a local community of other people. We met up once a week to talk about what we liked, and then we would tie each other up and feed our lusts. 
I had an alter ego and went by the name Claudia so I could try and live this double life. I knew that God was after me and wanted me to get out of this sin that had overcome me. And one Sunday, I decided to go to this church in the country. I walked through the doors in my desperation, and immediately I felt the warmth of the Holy Spirit. I felt like oil was being poured on me as I fell to the ground. The pastor happened to be praying about how we're in bondage to sin and how we can be released from that. And she said as she went forward, for the first time in a long time, she felt loving hands, loving hands reaching out to her. She goes on to describe how that she denounced and renounced that darkness in her life. And she went home and she deleted every account, every number, every connection. She was done with that. Adam uh, Parker in the video talks about darkness and the metaphor of getting up in the middle of the night going to the bathroom and when you get to be my age this is a could be several episodes each night stumbling in the dark reaching for the light it's a great metaphor how do we reach for the light in Jesus through our darkness well, Jesus says, says how in, in the fourth bold statement that he makes when he says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you will realize that I am he. Three times in the gospel, Jesus talks about when you lift up the Son of Man, when you lift up me on the cross, I will draw people to me. It's in the darkness. It's when the sky refuses to shine we see God's true light at work. Think about it. Darkness ultimately always leads to violence. The greatest act of violence in this world was what we did to Jesus Christ on the cross. The cruelty, all that he went through. The very people that are sentencing him to death. The irony is Jesus says, that's the way I'm going to draw people to me. So it's through the cross. It's through this advocate that stands with us in the courtroom. And when we're convicted of our sins, he doesn't render the judgment of harshness, but in embrace of his love, he doesn't offer us condemnation. He offers us grace and mercy and forgiveness and light and power. He offers us freedom. And we see this in his final bold statement, that if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus liked to talk about the reality of freedom. And Jesus talks about the clear dichotomy where we can be the servant of sin and the servant of darkness. And if we do that, we're going to die in our sins. But you can come to me and be free. And each of us can renounce the darkness and come into the light. We see Jesus struggling the most in the darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
we see him wrestling with God. We see him perspiring. We see him crying out to God. We're seeing Jesus say, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to endure the cross. I want to get out of this. Is there any way, Father, that I can be released from this? But in the midst of that, we also find from Jesus how to renounce the darkness. I invite you to watch this brief clip from the Passion of the Christ. Abba. Jesus looks evil and darkness right in the face. And he stomps it out. We all know about darkness. Your darkness may be something that I've talked about today. It may be something very, very different. There comes a point, though, where we have to simply say, enough already. I am done with this. I am not going to continue in this dark path. I'm going to renounce it. I'm going to seek help. I'm going to step into the light of God. Where we say, enough already. In our membership vows, we have some statements that come down to us from the historical church in the first centuries. Listen to the power 
of these words of profession of faith. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? Do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms it presents itself? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord. This morning, we're going to be entering into a time of worship. And uh, as we go into this time of worship, there's candles that are present on both sides of the sanctuary, and there's candles present at Renovate. And what we invite you to do as we sing and worship with the band, that we can come and light a candle. And by lighting a candle, we're really doing two things. We're renouncing whatever the darkness is in us. If there's a darkness that's, that's claim you, you're renouncing the darkness and you're stepping into the light of God. So think about the darkness that may be present in your life, but don't focus on the darkness. Focus on the light of Christ. And I want you to know that no matter what is going on in your life or whatever darkness there is, you're not going to receive judgment from me. I've seen too many good people get off the path, but I've also seen a lot of people come back on the path and step into the light and the goodness of God. And Jesus wants us to get this. He wants us to know that we don't have to die in the darkness. We can step into the light. We can know him. We can live his, in his freedom and in his power. And if the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. So I just invite you beginning now and in the next several minutes when you're ready to come you might climb over someone in the pew that's okay and light a candle and, and, and step into the light of Jesus Christ and say enough already to whatever the darkness is in your light and live in the freedom and in the light and in the power of God God bless us as we time we come into this time of worship